right, the first case is Ogmulgee AMC versus McDuffie. This um, case, the matter was the employer's burden for suspension of benefits. Briefly, the facts were that the employee had a prior knee injury before working for the employer, then he had a subsequent accident. Next slide, slide. Can you get it? There we go. Um, he had an injury at work. After having the injury at work, the employer find out, found out about his prior knee injury. They immediately suspended benefits. Then he went out of work, had surgery. They recommenced benefits. But once he returned to his pre-aggravation state, um, they suspended benefits again. So the issue was, was it lawful for them to suspend the benefits? Or do they have to keep paying if they haven't returned? to their pre-aggravation state. The court held no when an employee has a pre-existing condition that limits the workability. As soon as the effect of the work injury case ceases, essentially they return to their pre-aggravation state, you can suspend benefits. Having technical difficulties. Here, go ahead and start talking about it. There we go. <laughs> All right. Next case. The next case we have is Chandler Telecom versus Burdett. We all know this case is um, willful misconduct. It has our friend um, essentially controlled dissenting, I guess you call it. Controlled dissent after ignoring his supervisor's instructions to climb down. Um, the issue is does an employee ignoring a supervisor's instruction constitute willful misconduct? So as to result in denial. The court had, it's, it's possible. Essentially, um, no compensation is allowed for an injury due to the employee's willful misconduct. Violating the rules and obviously dangerous, dangerous hazardous acts alone are not sufficient for willful misconduct. Willful misconduct, is, they did define willful misconduct. It's, it's intentionally doing something, either with knowledge that is likely to result in serious injury or with a wanton and reckless disregard of probable consequences. First of there's a lot of gray area, but it is somewhat defined. <laughs> oh, we missed one. Here we go. Next case, Sanchez v. Carter. This is a dependency benefits case. Um, so here there was um, an injury that resulted in a death. The claimant lived with somebody, but they were not married and they were not wholly dependent on them for living expenses, or they were, excuse me, wholly dependent on them for living expenses. The issue was, is the dependent who is not married to the deceased employee entitled to dependency benefits? And Supreme Court says, nope. They denied the dependency benefits for actual dependent who is not married to the employee. Now, of note, this is different for children. Um, there can be children who are not a product of the marriage that can be held as dependent, but you have to be married in order to get dependency benefits. Just FYI. And, and Georgia no longer recognizes common law. No, they don't. Georgia definitely does not recognize common law. I'm sure some of you feel like doing this with some people sometimes. The next case we have is Kendrick versus SRA track. Um, this is in the Georgia Appellate Court. The subject matter was continuous employment. I think this also goes along with our um, telecommunication policy because essentially we need to define what is continuous employment and when does that end. Um, the issue was 
also a controversy was it timely filed. The employee essentially was living in Georgia, traveling to Alabama. Um, so during the week, he was working in Alabama, but he would travel sometimes on the weekends. He was injured on Sunday about 4 o'clock um, while traveling to Alabama. Also, the, just going to the controversial portion of it, the employer was providing medication, medication, um, medications and medical benefits, and they had did it for several months. So the employer controverted the claim after the employee requested a hearing. Um, the issue was, did the employee timely controvert, and was the employee in the employer's continuous employment with injury? The court had regard to compensation, yes. When compensation is being paid, the controvert must be filed within 60 days. However, the issue was, what does compensation mean? Compensation in this regard was only weekly income benefits, not medical benefits. So yes, we can controvert, um, essentially, when they're not receiving um, compensation benefits. The issue for continuous employment was no. An employee only was required to work away from home during the work week, and he was off duty and traveling on the weekend. Continuous employment did not apply. It, however, it would apply if he was going to his job at maybe Monday morning. All right, another continuous employment, similar yet different as in all law it seems. So on this one, and I feel like this one comes up all the time now, so the employer is providing a hotel room for somebody who's working out of town because it's just cheaper to keep them, you know, wherever they are that they're working because they're working a distance from home. So on the weekend while they're staying in the hotel room, um, the employee goes out doing something fun and injures himself on a personal errand on Sunday. The question is, is the injury on a personal errand compensable under the theory of continuous employment? Well, no, of course not. You're doing something personal is what the court held. Um, so if you're working away from home while you're working, you are on the clock and it can be a job injury. If you deviate from your employment to do something personal, no such luck. <laughs> that was mine. The racy ones are mine. The next case we have is Cartersville City Schools versus Johnson. This one goes back to our idiopathic injury, and I think I'm still confused, I'll be honest. Um, essentially, the court overruled the previous case where it almost had the same exact facts. I think she was a nurse, and she was turning to get a bottle uh, or water for the patient. So essentially, they overturned that case, which was, I believe the name was St. John. They overturned that case. But the facts of this one was the claimant was in a classroom. She was instructing her students. She turned from her computer, and she suffered a knee injury. The issue is, is an injury idiopathic when one is engaged in the behaviors and movements required by the job? The court held no. If someone is engaging in movements required by the judge and injured as a result of that movement, then it's not idiopathic. The key is determining what is required by the judge. The, the job. I'm sorry, the job. And the judge. <laughs> they make the final sense. It doesn't matter. <laughs> the court concluded that idiopathy um, refers to injuries sustained at work that, that are unrelated to or do not occur, occur while engaged in work. And actually, they also said if it has no causal connection. So they did go back today, even though they overruled the case, but they went back to the causal connection. And if it's the causal connection to the workplace, then it's not idiopathic. I think the idiopathic window is getting smaller and smaller and smaller to prove and define, in my opinion, in Georgia law. I mean, cases like this, 
got a couple of recent ones, and it just seems like they're slowly trying to get rid of it altogether. Aren't they feeling that? They are. Okay. All right, that's it. Unless anybody has any questions that we can maybe answer. It looks really smart.